Welcome, Luminous Writers, to the Write, Publish, and Shine podcast. I am your host, author, and literary magazine editor, Rachel Thompson. This podcast explores how to write and share your brilliant writing with the world. In each episode, we delve into specifics on how to polish and prepare your writing for publication and the journey from emerging writer to published author. Hello, lovely listeners. I know I promised no more replays last time, but this year I am prioritizing my rest over my productivity. And while this is pretty true, I'm also saying it a little ironically because you may know that adage, you can make time for rest or time for illness. So I have been down with a short-term illness and I'm cautiously coming back to my work and my writing after this. Maybe you can relate to that tension between rest and productivity. I say give in to rest as much as you can. I know and trust that there will be some new interviews and new episodes in our near future. Dear listeners, thanks again for hanging in. Just not today. But I do have something special for you in anticipation of the new session of my Lit Mag Love course, which starts in May. It's the final session, actually, of 2022. Here is a very concrete bit of advice from me on how to publish your writing in Lit Mags. This is called Five Steps to Publishing Your Writing in Literary Journals. It's time to W-R-I-T-E. Yes, I have written this as an acrostic. So if you're getting many rejection from lip mags, it's likely you're missing at least one item on this list of five things editors look for in your writing. You know me as a lip mag editor. I have interviewed many, many literary magazine editors Many of those interviews appear in the previous episodes of this podcast, in this feed. And I put aside the beleaguered editors who get exposed to way too many lousy sex scenes or, you know, really more egregious stuff like violence, gratuitous violence in, in writing. And I'm choosing the five things that every editor agrees upon. I wrote it as an acrostic, as I mentioned. So it's W-R-I-T-E to give you that mnemonic you can use the next time you're finishing up a submission package for journals. I encourage you to take what is useful for you and your writing practice and use it to keep writing and learning to write better. But I also encourage you to disregard whatever isn't useful to you. This list is not here to overwhelm or confuse you, especially now, especially with all that's going on this year. If you want to just bookmark this and come back to it later when you're in a headspace where you can revise your writing, I completely understand You know your writing best, and I trust you will find what works for you and write and publish luminously. So the W in our acrostic stands for wit. And yes, you will always come across as arrogant if you describe your own words as witty. But remember that the lowest barrier requirement of creative writing is to make us think. The work you submit requires your most inventive ideas. You must dazzle us with your intelligence. Your writing must allow us to see situations, words, and people differently. I have a bad pun here. (laughs) I say to wit, that is wit. So wit in your writing needs to come out in both your ideas and the language you use. At the idea level, you need to ask yourself if you're saying something fresh and different. Have you put a new spin on ideas already in writing? To answer this, you must read and reflect on what's already out there on your subject or theme. And this is one of the reasons why literary magazine editors often say you need to be reading the lit mags. 
that's going to help you in your writing. This is why, because you know what's already been said. If you love what you're writing about, that should be easy. And if you don't, you might want to ask yourself why you're writing on a subject that you don't adore, you don't have that interest and drive to continue reading about. A lot of writers will resist reading the lit mags they want to publish with, but I know you won't do this. You'll let this be your competitive advantage. It's going to help you eventually publish in these very few spaces that are available compared to the numbers of submissions that writer that editors get. So by reading lit mags to understand what else has been said, you'll know what opportunities remain open for your own work, what hasn't been said yet. And at the language level, you need to ask yourself if every word counts. And for poets, that's every syllable, line break, even white space. Have you selected the most precise words to convey your meaning at every point? Do your word choices show an enchantment with language? Editors love when you use wordplay that fits your work. But of course, this is tricky and it's worth pushing things at the language level, then pulling back and going back and forth until you find that right balance. In a nutshell, it takes a lot of revision. But I know you're up for this task because you love words. It's why you write. And there is a little more satisfying to us writers than finding that word to efficiently and brilliantly say what we mean. And as editors, I can tell you from the editorial side, We love this even more so because we read many submissions that don't have enough attention to language. The writer is not paying enough attention to language. So does your language need to be on point during the first draft of your piece? Should you be stopping and scratching things out and finding that word as as you're drafting? No, definitely not. Write a rough draft that you quickly throw down without expectations, then refine it many, many times until you've pushed your ideas as far as you can take them made inventive connections, and found the choicest words. And I have a quote from uh, Pank editor Maya Marshall, the poet Maya Marshall, who said, I want to see that the text has been written thoroughly, by which I mean it's clear that the author is enchanted by language and that they are not putting themselves directly in the frame. Maybe it takes 30 drafts to get to reveal it, but it's sort of a sculpture underneath the rock. And I love that analogy. And I really love that encouragement because I find that a lot of emerging writers just don't realize the number of drafts required, which I hope hearing that also opens up the idea that, oh, I don't have to be great in the first draft. I just need to get it down. And then I'm going to work on this, on the wit. I don't have to be witty off the cuff. That's why we're writers and we're not talkers necessarily. And the second point in my acrostic, so we had W, the R is for recognition. For your writing to connect with readers, they need to be able to recognize something in your characters, memories, and images. But ironically, this doesn't mean you need to write like everyone else or relate things to a specific generic reader. It requires your unique perspective. For your writing to be recognizable, you need to get very personal, and you need to write what you, and likely only you, know. So writing what you know, that seems easy, right? But it's, it's not always so. It's entirely possible you don't know what you know. Not yet, anyway. So, so many writers begin by imitating other writers or they lack the conviction they need to take a position in their writing. And I think that's totally valid, too, to be using writing as a way to kind of uncover, well, what do I know? What do I, what do I believe about this? What position am I going to take on this? And beca- but because 
without taking that position, without a firm stance, you will not get readers to recognize themselves in your writing. Relating to hazy vapor is impossible unless you are in fact a cloud. So you need to ask yourself questions like, what do you know? Who are you? What do you stand for? And I have another quote from another editor, so Alicia Elliott, who is an editor with The Fiddlehead, creative nonfiction writer, said, I think that when a writer doesn't have a good understanding of who they are and what their beliefs are, they're going to necessarily lack the conviction in their writing. I feel like I can always tell when a writer is holding back because they're scared of what they're going to find out about themselves or they're scared of what they're going to find out about the world, things that they would rather not know. Next in our mnemonic, WR. I is is for interiority. So with a firm stance and knowledge of where you stand, your best writing will bring us inside experiences and give us interiority on a life we didn't live. For example, if you're writing about an uncomfortable dinner with ambiguity, we will experience the meal like someone peering in the window. Or if you write about what this dinner represents with hindsight, this also keeps us outside. The distance is just measured in time, not space. But if you write with interiority, we get to experience the dinner as if we're at the table smelling and tasting the food. Questions I would expect a writer to answer about this uncomfortable dinner would include, what can we hear in the silence? Is the silverware clinking? How does the food taste and smell? Is it dry and bitter? Is it too hot? What does it feel like to chew and swallow in this tense situation? Do you eat slowly, on guard? Do you fill your mouth quickly so you can get out of there as soon as possible? What interactions occur between those presents? Are they exchanging hard looks? Are they talking about something frivolous? Are legs kicked under the table? Are ringing phones ignored? What does this discomfort feel like in the protagonist's body? Does she shift in her chair, run his hands along the sharp corners of the table? Another quote from another editor, the importance of interiority is that you see the vulnerability of being human, that ability to see the movement of feeling and ideas and the possibility of transformation that can happen in the inner life is educational to a reader to apply it to their own. Writers can really give you that inner experience of something that you don't understand. And that's from Diana McClure of Azure Magazine. Next we have T. T is for truth. It's important you know if you don't already that being a writer requires revealing raw truths about yourself and the human condition. To prepare for deep exploration in your writing, you will also need to prepare to take care of yourself as you write. When the writing is heavy, pace yourself, be kind and balance the time you spend composing with self-care. Self-care gets a bad rap sometimes, but I don't mean some kind of goopy, extravagant self-care. I mean like a luxurious bath, a bit of chocolate, a quiet walk along a body of water, whatever works for you. It may sometimes be that we're not ready to write deeply about painful experiences, by the way, and it's okay to put those aside. If you have experience you're not ready to share, use journals, jot down ideas, and images that will be ready to reference when you are prepared to write about them. None of us is born ready to put windows on our hearts. Even the bravest of writers put distance between themselves and difficult experiences before they write about them. I always say writing isn't a call to be superhuman, it's a call to be an extraordinarily brave, normal human. And in this case, I have a quote from uh, The Forge editor, John Haggerty, one of the founders of the journal too. 
He says, I think if you're not working to expose something deep and scary, then in a sense, you've already failed. And our final letter, the letter E in the W-R-I-T acrostic, W-R-I-T-E acrostic, (laughs) is exigency. So I'm going to confess that I landed on this particular word because I was trying to fit it into my formula with the E. But it's delightful in the sense that I did find that perfect word, speaking of wit before, that really precisely denotes the final quality required in the writing editors want to publish in LitMegs. The work must demand to be written. To make it easier to remember, you could say that these are subjects or ideas that have been eating, so the letter E still, eating away at you. If your work is all sizzle and no steak or tofu, If you show only stylistic skill, but you do not write from a sense of urgency, you're stuck really with wit and wit alone, which is not substantive enough. Writing with exigency also requires your characters or speakers act like their lives depend on it. As editors, we receive a lot of writing about people who sit down and think about something for a while. Your protagonist or speaker needs to move take action, do something other than sit and think to keep our attention and to be published. As editor Rebecca Salazar of Plenitude said, this doesn't mean that every piece of writing has to be dramatic or about something depressing or violent. It doesn't mean you can't write about comfort or joy, but it does mean that there has to be a need in them to come into the world. There has to be something at stake in them. So that is my W-R-I-T-E list for how to publish your writing in literary magazines. To recap, you need wit, you need recognition, you need interiority, truth, and exigency or something eating at you. And my W-R-I-T-E steps are not a fast track to publishing. You probably figured that out by now. Certainly not your early writing drafts. Instead, think of these as steps to a deeply satisfying path to a rich writing life. And on this path, you'll grow more quickly into your full powers as a writer when you pay attention to these five things. And as your writing becomes more brilliant and has each of the five things on my list, you'll start to get more yeses from journals. This means once you've got all these elements in your writing, don't be afraid to submit your work. Editors eagerly await your luminous words. If you would like to learn more about how to get published in literary magazines and get a big yes from a journal you love, consider joining the Lit Mag Love course. The five-week course runs twice per year and the final session, I can't believe it, in 2022 starts in May. The course comes with lots of support and feedback and you can learn all about the Lit Mag Love course Find out what writers say about working with me in the course and join the course waitlist at rachelthompson.co slash litmaglove. Registration will open really soon. The Write, Publish and Shine podcast is brought to you by me, Rachel Thompson. You can learn more about the work I do to help writers write, publish and shine at rachelthompson.co. When you're there, sign up for my writerly love letters sent every week and filled with support for your writing practice. If this episode helped you think about your writing and submissions in a new way to think about these five steps to publish in LitMags. I would love to hear all about it. I'm still on a social media hiatus, so email me at hello at rachelthompson.co. 
and tell other Luminous writers about this episode. You can do this by sending them to the podcast at rachelthompson.co slash podcast, or tell them to search for Write, Publish, and Shine wherever they get their podcasts. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to keep writing, keep submitting, but also to take rest and prioritize that over productivity when you need to. I'm speaking to you as a guest in the South Sinai, Egypt, on lands historically and presently occupied by the El Tirabin Bedouin.